Hey, Joseph. Hey, Alex. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Okay, so we're going to do phone call, not FaceTime, I guess. Is that, a, is that all right with you? Yeah, no problem. Just wanted to check. Okay. Uh, so I apologize. We'll go an extra five minutes because I, for some reason, um, just blanked and thought you were coming in. <laughs> I was waiting for you by the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I have those moments definitely uh, as well. Um, yeah, can we start with some housekeeping? I just had a couple questions. One, um, I wanted to clear up last time about the, I was having that uh, disagreement with you. I thought that, uh, Texans Tennessee game was 24 to nothing at the half. And you, you were saying it was at the end of the quarter. I'm so sorry. You were right about that. It was 28, 24 at the half. So, yeah, I just want to say you're the man and you know your facts. So, <laughs> all right. Um, also, I saw that on our bill. Um, the first time I came, I was charged 113, and then the second time was uh, $71. Was there a reason for the differential? Yes, mm -hmm. for a first time appointment, it's called an Okay. And gets charged more and that's um i just want to point one thing out i'm uh -huh. network with Cigna, so i'm contracted at their rates mm -hmm. so i don't have any say in lowering or increasing their rates okay does that make sense yeah no i get that you're kind yeah. of like a, you don't you don't like have the uh, control over that and i just wanted to make sure there wasn't like some mistake either way Uh -huh. I'm sorry if, if Nicole or I did not clarify on that first set. Yeah, no, it, it's no problem at all. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't like a mistake either way. Okay. Going forward, you won't be billed more than 71. Okay, and that actually brings me to my point of my mom um, might be helping me with paying the bills in the future, and she just had some types of questions about kind of like how that would work for her because she's used to kind of paying them differently, like paying, getting a bill in the mail a month later. Would you just be able to talk to her for maybe five minutes, like during this week or next week at some point, just quickly on the phone? Cause she, she sure. would be the one paying. Yeah. It, that this would be the only time you would have to talk to her. It's purely uh, financial just cause like she has some stuff she wanted to clear up. So it has to be next week because I need you to sign a consent form for me to speak to Yeah, anyone. absolutely. Yeah, we'll work on that. I'll do that when I come uh, in the office or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. As far as her paying for you, uh -huh. what I normally do is just have a credit card on file. And we just yeah. do it weekly. Yeah, because when she has medical bills, uh, she gets – some she was saying there's a bill in the mail like at the end of the month and she doesn't have a credit card on file so she was saying that she wanted to be clear if there was like another option and i said that that's something uh she then she said let me let me just uh, ask him myself so is, is are you saying the only way you ever do it is credit card on file no other way um that's how i prefer it Got i don't it. mind Got i mean it. if she wants to pay with cash um, give it to you. That's fine. If uh, she wants to do bi-weekly billing, I'd be open to that. Yeah, but it's always going to be with credit card on file, right? Yeah. Okay. Preferably that way. Preferably. Okay. 
I'll tell her and I'll see if she still wants to have the uh, conversation with you. But uh, okay. yeah, she's she gets kind of uh, crazy with that stuff. And it wouldn't be that you have to talk to her every time there's like some type of issue. This would literally just be one time thing. But yeah, I'll let her know about what you said. No, I understand. And then cool. speaking of housekeeping, do you yeah. have uh, um, uh, your calendar open? Yeah. Okay, so we should do two things. We should plan the next time we can meet. Sure. But then also, um, it is February. Okay. And I am getting married this month. Yeah. So. Yeah, congrats. Uh, in terms of Saturdays, mm. uh, no February good. 22nd, 29th, and March 7th, I will be gone. Hmm. Um, and you're not going to uh, be available for phone calls, right? No. Okay. Um, yeah, we can definitely do phone calls during the week at that point. But prior to that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I do have a backup uh, partner who is in mm-hmm. network with Cigna. Mm-hmm. She is. She went to grad school with me. She interned with me. Mm-hmm. She went to the hospital with me. We both do private practice. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need an emergency oh, okay. uh, yeah. clinician to speak to, I yeah. can give you her information. That would be great. And, um, and set, uh, set it up with her. She, Nicole is also her billing manager, so it would be very easy to okay. figure out billing. Yeah, um, I, I don't see that happening. I don't have that type of fluctuation where I just need to talk to someone. If This is more... I see it as a long-term kind of strategic uh, analysis of thing, of goals I have. So um, I appreciate that. That's great that uh, she'll be on hand. I'll let you know if I uh, need to follow up with her or anything. Okay, perfect. Okay. Awesome. All right, ready. Ready when you are. Um, so in terms of next time we meet, All right. All right. Um, are you, when, when can you come in again? Um... I have to kind of be uh, near my uh, work calendar schedule. Could we kind of coordinate this either with text or like a quick like three-minute phone call sometime during this week, later on in the week or next? And we kind of took up some time in uh, this session. I Like I, I would just need to have my work calendar in front of me and stuff if that's okay. Sure. Can I call you on uh, maybe like Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, no I'm, I'm going to be in Rhode Island. So just text me like, it, uh, like the day of or something. And then we get, cause I'm going to be with like my team a lot going to dinners and whatnot. Okay. Okay. No problem at all. Excellent. Cool. So uh, how have you been doing? Uh, right. Yeah. We ended kind of on a, a bit of a sour note last time. Cause I revealed to you that that aspect of my life where I, I have abused drugs in the past, and sometimes I'll I'll turn to them just as real. It, this is sounding diagnostically like the behavior of an a, abuser or addict, but I will turn to drugs um, if I'm feeling stressed or sad, or if I'm really just looking for like. You have one aspect where people use drugs to cure depression, but then you have another weird aspect where. People under high stress or people that are feeling either, I don't know, it's weird, unfulfilled or if they feel un, like they their uh, material world isn't living up to some type of image uh, and what they're expecting, then they'll also use drugs. I, maybe that all ties back into some so, so form of like depression 
or unfulfillment, but I know a lot of celebrities use drugs and it's not because they have no money and because um, they're, they're constantly so sad. Some might be, but I really feel that like if I have like a really busy day, uh, like at my job, if I'm traveling all over, just use like I'm talking ver the most micro dosage of quantities. I'm, t I'm talking like a fifth of what the smallest dosage would be, but I will take like a quarter of a pill or I'll just, I'll, um, kind of snort like a, a fifth of something, but it's, it's really not, um, all the time. So I would say in the month it might happen like four times. Well, I wouldn't look at it as, um, a sour note, uh, give yourself mm -hmm. credit for feeling comfortable to share that with me. If anything, look at it as a sign of progress. Okay. Um, cool. You told me you're using Suboxone. Yeah, I, I use that every morning, but I see that as more honestly just like kind of medication than like a drug, really. You're, you're right. It is a medication. Yeah. It's a synthetic opiate that was part agonistic, part antagonist, meaning it blocks and fills mm. the receptor sites in your brain mm -hmm. and prevents other drugs from entering. Mm -hmm. So if you use Suboxone and then you try to use heroin mm. or Oxycodone or something like that, it work. those drugs should not work right. unless you use a significantly larger portion. Right. Um, so I just have a question based on quantity because if someone was taking two, two tabs or three tabs of Suboxone a day, that that would be uh, that that would be a really bad scenario, but does quantity play a factor if someone is taking one one fiftieth or one one hundredth of a sheet of Suboxone? Because to me that sounds like micro micro dose, and from what I've heard from uh, friends who really struggle with addiction, that that wouldn't be able to touch them. I'm a, I have a very uh, sensitive sensories, and perceptive nerves i guess because i can i can take the smallest amount and i i would just get enough of a buzz that i'm perfectly happy going through my day and it just it just gives me like an extra jump start it's almost like reducing anxiety giving me energy i've been doing it at this point for maybe uh a year and a half and i think it's something that i'd like to stop in the future but right now um it was kind of just working, so I didn't stop it. But maybe if if you think of if like your prescription is that it has to stop, and it, it, I can in no way be doing this, then that would be a program I will work on either weaning myself off of, or my family has suggested maybe I need something else like antidepressants or a mood stabilizer. I never thought it was really at that level. So really, that teeny teeny amounts of subs was really all I needed, but I, maybe if you need to know more about me before deciding what you think. I mean, I know anyone in your field is going to say relying on substances is like never uh, okay, really. Well, um, let's, let's take it from the beginning. Um, I don't prescribe medications. I don't have a medical Right. Degree. You told me the psychiatrist and I would have to speak to your person uh, should that be the case. And you probably want me to have them uh, available maybe once a month anyway. So it's – yeah. So 
I, I would prefer if you see a psychiatrist okay. in case uh, antidepressants is a better route just because yeah. Suboxone is a synthetic opiate. It's still addictive. Um, right. And it might not be the right medication for you. But uh, the other reason is, – Is is it – just one question. Uh, is it addictive if I don't do it for like a week or two weeks if I have vacation or something and I don't miss it in any way, shape or form? As in because, like, I'm dealing with, like, the stress of my job, it's more of a need than a want? Does that make sense? It, it very well could be, but okay. if we're talking work stress, and, you know, there's yeah. less addictive substances that can be prescribed to you, like gabapentin hmm. or Remeron. Hmm. Neither one of those are registered narcotics, and there's less side effects and less dangers to them, that, and they might be more appropriate. Now, would those give uh, me energy? I don't know if they would give you okay. energy. That's kind of the if, that's kind of the issue with th- this. Almost seemed like it was like checking all the boxes uh, for what I need. But uh, I'm not a psychiatrist or a chemist, so like you and your people will obviously be able to help me more than what I'm thinking. So I'll, I'll stop interrupting. Um, it you know part of if you're taking Suboxone every day, you probably have somewhat of a tolerance, mm-hmm. even if yep. you're taking a very small amount. Absolutely. So the when people wane off of Suboxone or Methadone, and I'm putting them in the same class because they're sure. both um, synthetic opiates right. that were des- either designed or readapted in America okay. for the purpose of treating opioid use disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a different use beforehand. But uh, the reason their use today is to help people stop using heroin and addiction to pain medication and people do taper off, but no matter what, there's always going to be like that period of withdrawal for, you know, the physical withdrawal might last for like a week or two. Mm. The amount I take, I, 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 I don't go two weeks sometimes without using it and I, I'm happier really. (laughs) When you don't use it. Hmm? When you don't use it, you feel happier. No, I don't. I'm just happier knowing that I'm com- I'm off and I feel completely fine. And it is nice being sober and not having to have that thing. I I just do it sometimes because, uh, well, no, I I feel the need to do it. Waking up in the morning, I'm not exactly thrilled to be going to work. I don't particularly enjoy the commute. Is kind of disgusting, really, just being stuffed on this subway with all these people. And not ev- I don't need it every single day. Like when I'm at a client, if I'm all in a different state, a lot of times I'll be waking up with enough fire in my engine that I'll have enough either internal pressure from having to meet this new engagement standard or just kind of nerves from like a, f- a first time at a client that I won't even need the Suboxone because I'll have so much energy from those natural endorphins and like uh, I, all of those stress chemicals. Uh, I like yeah, serotonin, cortisol, but uh, it definitely helps on just the the usual mundane mundanity of my typical weekly drudgery. Can Can you remind me one thing real fast? Yeah. Where Where you live and where your office is located? Okay. Um. So I'm on Upper East Side. Uh, like 98th Street first, office is on uh, Midtown Broadway, right by you, I'm on 37th, so it, it I I just get kind of uh, depressed being on the subway, like, 
what there's a few components one sometimes we're literally so stuffed that there's people rubbing in, in between all of us and if i'm not exactly thrilled to be go, going to work and like i'm really tired just having these these bodies some smelly some homeless people that just pee their pants and they're all like in between you and it, it's just so incredibly uncomfortable then i also do get depressed in the subway if like attractive girls are uh giving me like a look and I don't, I won't say anything and it'll just be awkward for me. And that, that kind of like ruins my day going into the office. So like there are several parts about my commute that definitely give me anxiety. So you, someone giving you a look can kind of create anxiety. I'll, li- I'll, ha- I'll have, I'll have situation my, of the subway. my, yeah. Um, I, I had an incident with like some like tiny like kid gangster guy. He tried to steal my phone when I was, when I didn't have my wits about me uh, a year ago, I was visiting my ex Maddie at a play she had and I was running late for the play. I had my head in my phone and he basically tried to steal my phone and what ended up happening, he chased me down blocks and blocks and I've almost had a little PTSD since where. I get really uh, nervous or scared when uh, people who look like they want to cause trouble are giving me looks. But then <laughs> it's it's really multifaceted and kind of complicated and weird. But on the other hand, I if a girl is kind of like playing with her hair or all the body si- signals, like looking at me, eyeing me, and just waiting for me to to make a, say a word or something. Almost definitely not going to say it. And then I'll just go to my office and just be kind of down for the next two hours uh, really thinking about it. And then, like, I have to kind of, like, think about, like, I have to, like, get my mind out of that mental funk that, like, you didn't uh, you didn't do anything that bad or something. Like, I think it's, like, the worst thing of, like, missing an opportunity when, like, someone could have done that because I've been kind of, like, lonely not having a girl. So it's a little complicated. It's kind of strange, but I don't even know if this relates to what we were talking about. Um, well, we were talking about how you feel on the subway, so I think it, it relates. Okay. Uh, it's definitely a situation on the subway. So that's a so the subway sounds like it's a stressor that can yeah. create depression yeah. and anxiety. What happens when you take suboxone you on the subway? I'm I'm chilling. Like, I feel like, I feel as happy as if I'm with my friends, but I don't have any friends there. I'm just, I'm feeling that immediate uh, euphoria. I guess it's, it's those receptors that I've been craving that uh, opiate, I guess it's, um, it's going into action, but I really don't feel like I crave it. It's like, if I was home, I wouldn't need to take the Suboxone, not at all in any way. It's just like me being in that process. And then I know going into the office, I'm going to need it because I used to be a very uh, poor performer at my office. I think in part due to the anxiety, in part due to, I guess, some OCD or ADD, where I wasn't able to focus on assignments because they were so timed. Like when they say you need to do something by like end of day or every half day, I would always be so stressed that I couldn't get it done or I would rush to do it that there would always be mistakes but with Suboxone or something like it like uh really even coffee does it but I don't like to I do drink coffee but really when I need to so those are more specific times coffee kind of makes my stomach hurt a little bit so 
and just having that rush all day, it, do, it doesn't feel that comfortable. So I really yeah. uh, just defer to kind of Suboxone to get that extra drive and it really increases my focus. It really serves as almost a low-functioning uh, Adderall crystal. Were you ever prescribed Adderall in the past? I just asked, uh, begged uh, the guy I was seeing, the P, uh, reg general physician, uh, like 20, 20, do 20 uh, pills when I was taking my CPA exam. That was it. Just I, I would use it like once every few weeks for studying. And I would, might, I would kind of like do five milligrams like once a month for studying. And then when I would take the test, I would do 20 milligrams for the test. And like almost the euphoria of the 20 milligrams like made me so happy and so capable. and com It like aided in just this additional like brain bandwidth I was getting uh, from the drug. I don't know. Have you abused Adderall afterwards? And when no. I say abuse, I mean like have you... Bought it from the street? Have you have you used um, it? Actually, no. I was prescribed Xanax. I wasn't prescribed Adderall. I had to buy that from. No, I'm sorry. I initially bought like ten from the street. Then I got a script for like twenty after that. But uh, in college, I actually abused it a little bit. Like if there was like a really big day drink or something, I would you I would do do it and combine it with alcohols. God awful, but. I really don't uh, do that, and I'm not the type to just be on a stimulant in the middle of the week. It would it would have to serve some purpose, and I haven't done Adderall in six months. Okay. What about Xanax? When was the last time you did that? Uh, a year ago, and it was just because a friend like brought like two pills. I'm kind of like alcohol? yeah. Um, I'll have a beer or two, um, almost every night, maybe like two or three of the nights of the week. I won't have a beer or two. And then the most I'll have, like in college, I obviously drank a lot more than that, but the most I would have is like three beers, four beers on like a very uh, big drinking day. Like for instance, tomorrow Super Bowl Sunday, you might have three to four beers. Um, yeah, I would say five because it's Super Bowl. To be honest, but five, I would never do uh five for any other NFL game. Are you using? Uh, what about cocaine? Uh, no. Uh, any other? So that yeah, that's the thing. Like, I had cocaine left over, so like, if a friend comes over, um, and like we want to go out like to the nightclub, like we would do it if it's like late and just to stay awake. But that would be like, that would really be once in a blue moon and it hasn't been for a really long time. Honestly, I haven't really been going out much and there would be no reason whatsoever to use that if I wasn't going out. So how, how much is left over in your apartment right now? Um, maybe like five times worth. You have five times worth what? Yeah, of uh, Coke. Just old stuff. How many bags is that? Mm, it's in like uh, one. It came in like a rock, so 
It's like a tiny, like, little rock. It's a rock? Yeah. It cu- it comes crack. that way, yeah, if you get it. It's a crack cocaine? Um, no. Like, I've done that, too, but I... Like, I'm almost positive it's coke, but I, I don't know. So, yeah, okay. pretty sure. And then, in terms of heroin... Yeah. When was the last time you used heroin? So... Like I said, like... And remember, everything you tell me is confidential. Okay. Yeah, um... I do, uh, do that, uh, sometimes for, like, the, uh... If I'm having, like, a, a really rough day, like, one... One-fifth of a bag. So, that tiny microdose, it won't be more than one-fifth of a bag. And since I overdosed on it, uh, a year ago, I don't do it that much. So, in this past week, I did it, uh, once... And then this pro- past week you did? In this past week, yeah. Just, like, it's busy season. Like, I'm working a lot. But, like, I really try and drink so that I don't have to uh, do that. But... What about your, what about your Suboxone? That's every uh, morning. Okay. So Suboxone... Uh, every morning on a, on a work day. Unless, like I said, if I'm, like, somewhere foreign where I have enough stress or, like... Uh, yeah, in, internal pressure to just be able to get up and have all that energy where I'm almost too nervous to even do this boxing. Who knows that you abuse uh, drugs from time so to time? My friend Ryan, who just got out of rehab and he like found God and he's he's been telling so he's been telling me he was a drug addict for two years and he so I would do a fifth of a bag of heroin he would do 20 bags of heroin so he's told me as long as he's known me, that I'm for sure not a drug addict. But now he's coming out of rehab and all his AA classes are saying that, uh, like, you can never use uh, drugs or alcohol if you, like, you're in that program. So he's told that he, like, from what he's been told, he thinks that I'm just a, a drug abuser with all these tendencies of, like, pre-addiction tendencies. Well, we don't need to use terms or debate. You know, in the context of someone's life mm-hmm. of drug use, they will say whether or not they're an addict or not. The only thing that matters is if you want to stop the habit. You know, we don't need to put a label on what you're doing. Yeah. If you want to stop using heroin, if you want to taper off suboxone, I would like to help you do that. Yeah. Um, one way or another, if we're talking about any sort of medication or drug use, I would like you to go see a psychiatrist because they could do more um, assessments on medical needs and how these drugs are affecting you. Okay. For example, I know from working at a methadone clinic that you have to go and get a chest x-ray to go on methadone because if you have a heart, heart problem, problem, yeah, I actually, methadone is right. I have a heart. technically a cardiac suppressant. Uh, and this is how people overdose is their heart stops beating yeah, I know. and blood doesn't go to... I, lungs and you don't breathe and then you suffocate to death. That's I, what an overdose essentially is. Yeah, I have had a heart murmur uh, for several years and my physician was uh, not that eager to prescribe me Adderall, but he he gave it to me. He just was kind of concerned about it at that point. Um, and then I think at one point he didn't give it because he heard that like I abused it in the past in college for drinking. So just for like the heart murmur and everything involved, he didn't feel okay about doing it. I think that was when I turned to the street for that Adderall, but that was like 
two and a half years ago at this point. But I went for my last checkup um, last April, and this is like a new doctor because the other one retired. And the new the new guy's younger, and he felt my heart. The other guy was a cardiac specialist, and this guy said my heart is uh, it seemed fine, and like just to keep the heart murmur in check. So yeah, if I do have something that I may uh, need, I'll probably need that chest examination if he gives me uh, the pills. Okay. Um, so what do you know right now about, uh, psychiatric treatment? Um, they kind of diagnose you from like a neurochemical, uh, perspective and they deal more with like the prescriptions and all of like the chemical reactions of the medications and how it relates to your neurochemistry. Sure. Um, Medical doctors do that as well. So all okay. medications, they take into account how it's going to affect the entire body, including your mind. Got Psychiatrists, it. Uh, it just means that they also have uh, training for psychotherapy. Oh. So similar to how okay. I counsel you, they have training in that. They, they definitely go to med school. They definitely have a good understanding of medications, uh, anatomy. Uh, and yes, because they're psychiatrists, definitely neurochemistry as well. Um, there's nothing to really fear about going to a psychiatrist. I know a lot of people, um, in our age group kind of grew up probably hearing like a lot of jokes about shrinks and yeah, yeah, there's definitely a stigma, a stigma to that. Yeah. Woody Allen going to analysts in his films and like, yeah, what, 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 you know, what's up? I like that. Psychiatrist is just, uh, very normal person. They just give medicine. They're no different than a doctor. You know, you'll go to an office, you sit down just like me, and you tell them what's going yeah, on. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not opposed to it. I just didn't want to, like, I just always had the stigma against being, like, uh, like patient X or something, where, like, you need to have so much uh, treatment to just, like, fix, like, things. Like, I see people as inherently complex and having multiple factors, so I just always was a little skeptical that, uh, doctors would be able to fix everything wrong with everyone all the time. But I guess now I'm seeing uh, the ways that they can certainly optimize people's lives and make them have much more comfortable and enjoyable lives and be able to be safer and happier. Something that I didn't really uh, kind of buy into as much when I was younger. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I... I think I agree with you on a lot of things, you know, like there are a lot of doctors who believe that they can fix everything. Um, the field of mental health, there's a diagnosis for just about everything that could be wrong with someone now. Even like shop addiction is now in the DSM. Um, shop? <laughs> it's in there. It's an impulse control disorder. Um, oh, like, like of, shopping? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I believe that. Yeah. Um, I have a few doctors I think you would really get along with that okay. are psychiatrists. Both have offices kind of close to where you work. Okay. Um, so most psychiatrists are not in network though. Uh, how, yeah. Do you know like what that, what I would be working with like price wise? I do. But my question is, do you have out of network benefits? No, I don't think, um, it may be like special 
cases, like I think the HR medical professional benefit person said, if we really are having an issue, we can talk to them. And I we re we have the lowest rated health insurance plan out of like every accounting firm. So, uh, okay, yeah. And you have sick. You have Cigna. Yeah. All right. Well, here's what I could do for you. Yeah. Um, I belong to a consortium. Okay. And they have um, an email chain. Mm-hmm. And I can say I have a client who's looking for a psychiatrist that is in network with Cigna. I don't have to mention your name. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to mention your case. I will get some referrals. I'll reach out to the psychiatrist. That'd be amazing. And, Thank you. And I'll say, mm-hmm. do you take Cigna? Yeah. And do you work with Suboxone? Because I'm, I don't know if you know this, but to prescribe Suboxone or Methadone, you have to do an additional training. It's not a lot of training. It's like an eight-hour oh, class. Okay, I'm sure. But a lot, yeah. of, psych- a lot of psychiatrists, they don't They do don't that. do that, yeah, because they're not specialists in that type of opiate uh, addiction kind of right. yeah thing. I got it. Okay. So the psychiatrists I work with, um, I have a good number of them. I have about two that will charge under 500 per session. Uh, um, one, one is going to charge 450 uh, and the other will charge, uh, I think 300. Okay. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't uh, make that much uh, money uh, with my accounting job. Do you know how many sessions I would need with a psychiatrist? Am I looking at like three for the year or like 15 like, I wouldn't be able to pay you know, rent like if I uh, had like too many. Of I those. don't, I don't know, but I imagine they'd probably want to see you yeah. one to two times in the first like two to three months just to make sure. Because a, they're gonna want to do an assessment. Uh, they're gonna want to meet with you again just to uh, go over some things, and then like you might need to meet with them two more times yeah. to to talk about how your body is responding to the medications, and then after that. It's usually once every three months. However, uh-huh. if you get if you get a prescription for any registered narcotic, mm-hmm. Xanax, Adderall, Suboxone, uh, Oxycodone, those prescriptions by New York State law can only be given out once per every I think twenty eight days uh-huh. or thirty days. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to go once a month. Okay. Um. Could we please hold off on this for the time being? Just so like. I, uh, I never really did therapy in my entire life and not like, I totally understand the point of that, but could we just like, would it be unethically against how you practice that if I didn't see one while we were speaking, because you knowing that I kind of will use drugs at times, like, would you not be able, uh, to like, let me not be seeking that type of help? Is that kind of like a conflict? Yeah. I mean, I could do the other thing. I could reach out to consortium people and ask them for in-network signal yeah. providers. I, I can't. I, yeah, I can't do anything like more than two hundred. I just won't be able uh, to pay for that. Yeah, I for think now. if you're in-network, it'll be much less than that. So. Okay. Yeah, I would need to find out before like I went to a session. But if if you reached out, I would uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll find some resource for you. Okay. Um, in Thanks, terms Joseph. of you. Um, seeing me yeah, and going to a doctor under New York state law 
I just have to speak to any doctor that you're seeing because yeah. you're seeing me as a counselor and this is my right. license agreement with the state. Right. So as long as you have a general doctor and I can speak to them sometime in the first three months and just say, hey, I'm giving him treatment. I don't have to tell them that you're using drugs. Yeah. And the doctor just says, yeah, that's fine. And I don't see why a doctor would have any problem with you going to a therapist. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's all I have to do in terms of staying in, within the laws of New York State. Okay. Got you, it. you do see a general doctor, you said? Um, like once a year. Yeah, yeah, it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. So I, I don't know if you know the difference between psychologist, psychiatrist, counselor, and social worker. Um, yeah, I kind of do. So a psychiatrist goes to med school, psychologist has a PhD, social worker has a master's in social work through social work school. All those de- degrees have been around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Counselors have been around since the 70s, but in New York State, they became a license about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're very new to the state. And part of the license agreement was we contact your doctor or we refer you to a doctor, kind of like a bracket. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So like because, because we're in the medical field, social workers had to say it's fine under these conditions. Psychologists said it's fine under these conditions. And then the American Medical Association said it's fine. You have to refer all your clients to a doctor and make sure they're seeing a doctor because they get more money that way. Okay. That's that's essentially why I have to just make sure you're seeing a doctor. But I still would like to help you find a psychiatrist, and I will reach out to um, the consortium, and I can call Cigna too as well for you and ask them for in-network referrals and double-check with the psychiatrist and make sure that they are, in fact, in-network. That way you don't get charged anything or – you don't, um, you know, no one plays tricks with you or anything like that. Thank you. That helps. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of heroin use, um, I do want to give you a warning about something, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with a substance called fentanyl? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this uh, last time about fentanyl. Do you under what do you remember from the last time? Um, well, I really knew about it before uh, we had the conversation, but so fentanyl is about twenty to fifty times stronger than regular heroin, and it's used similar to the nineteen twenties uh, prohibition cutting of moonshine. That they're looking for a cheaper way to get people a better fix and to make people more addicted, but. It doesn't make many people addicted. They can't be repeat customers because they overdose so easily. And I guess when I overdosed uh, that time, there was definitely fentanyl in it. But that's probably why also, like, if I do, like, a fifth of a bag of it, that it it's probably more similar to, like, what – if there is fentanyl in it, that there would be, like, what a regular bag would just be because it's just so much more powerful. Like, insurmountably more. Um, yeah. When you're only using, uh, you said you're using like once a week. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that on average? Yeah. So one thing that your body is doing is uh, you use, you don't build up a tolerance, you don't put anything in your body. Right. Yeah, I I did that purposely, kind of, to not build a tolerance. True. Um, 
but while you're doing that, if you're using just heroin and you're using a small amount, maybe your body is somewhat prepared for it based on the history. But if fentanyl is cut into that heroin, I, yeah, I, no, to ma- be- no matter how nice of a drug dealer you might have mm-hmm. and you think he's honest, he is very low on the food chain. Right. If it, even if it's a right. friend, you it's know, not. He, he yeah. has no idea how this was made. Right. She, I yeah. guarantee you that. Yeah, she she, she, you, she doesn't know what's going on. She she really doesn't. But no, she she's cool though. But um she's she's not cool. She's a drug dealer and probably responsible for people dying honestly. But I don't think there's really any pure heroin anymore. I think it's all fentanyl. Well or we at don't least know that. It, it, at least uh what she's getting and like what uh my friend, so I don't go to her anymore. I got like a, a large order like a while ago so that I literally just have it. I plan on probably never going to her again because I only went twice and like I, it was kind of in like a dangerous area in Jamaica. I didn't want to go back. So I don't plan on ever going back to her and like I plan to hopefully like when like I'm just like done using because I do s- such a little quantity that I like I almost continually basically never run out just from like what like me buying like what would be the amount that a regular uses in a week like seemingly like will last me like a year. So I don't know, it's it's just been lasting like a really long time and like I'm really trying to not do it and minimize the amount that I do it and hopefully when I get to more the bottom of more issues with the therapy and I can be more comfortable and happy with myself, then I'm I'm really looking for any type of mental trick or kind of trying to rubber band my brain into taking on this new uh, elasticity so I can be better equipped for just my current life and whether I have a girlfriend or not or whether I have a million friends or I just have a couple. Like I want to be able to move on with issues and maybe I'll have some beers and smoke marijuana, but I don't always want to uh, be doing heroin. So yeah, I'd like to uh, definitely be off it in the future. It's just, uh, it kind of, I see it as helping like short term right now, which, and I'm tr- really trying to uh, make sure it's not a slippery slope. Clearly anything can happen. But from the amount that I did when I was careless prior to me overdosing, and I thought like you could kind of just do it and everything would be okay, I see how strong it is that I really want to minimize and get to a point where I won't be doing it. That's a great goal. And I will help you work towards that goal. Thanks. Um, Thank you. Um, but, uh, there also is a physiological side to it. And like I yeah. said, if you, if something's covered fentanyl, whether it's a small amount or not, and you think your, your mind can handle it, it's your body that's going to shut down. Right. So right. You're, you gotta remember that, uh, alcohol, opiates, they're, they're downers. So yeah. you take, uh, something with fentanyl in it and your heart slows down. So then oxygen cannot move to the brain and then you suffocate to death. That's not really the mind working um, Mm -hmm. in a way that can prevent that. There's nothing the mind could do. It's in your body. So I do want you to be very careful with heroin and try your best not to use it. Um, I'm going to 
work hard to get you a psychiatrist that's in network. And I'll speak to the person in advance to make sure that they are in network and that they know how to handle this. And I'll do everything I can to go over coping skills with you and okay. work with you and move at your pace. Yeah. I just want you to be very careful yeah. um, in the meantime. Yeah. So we, we are about out of time now. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm I just – call you on Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, I just have one question. Uh, so, is, are we going to be changing the trajectory? Is this going to be kind of like the um, learning to live without drugs kind of uh, lesson plan instead of going from where we were the last two sessions with like talking about, well, last session where I give you the zero to 10, then maybe you would have asked like middle, middle school next session, th this session ideally. Are we putting that to the side, or are we going to resume with that uh, next time? Why don't we resume with that next time? Okay, yeah. So right with you, I do a small check-in on, uh, you know, if you're using Suboxone still, if you're using right. Heroin, yeah. just we, so we, I know. Right. And also, I'll give you the referral for the Cigna um, psychiatrist as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I think I probably use uh, drugs as responsibly as it's an oxymoron. There is no responsible use of heroin, obviously. I think I probably do the best at trying to minimize the amount that I need to do. Like I said, like I try and do the, the most humanly smallest quantity where I can't even feel it. But I, I will say I do plan on uh, using them for the time being, like at least until I have like – I know it's weird to say, but like, I'm, if I had a girlfriend to take my mind off of stuff, I would be with her like at night. I wouldn't just be alone, like having to like do a fifth of a bag or something. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm, I really don't expect myself to stop using that. And def Suboxone has helped me like tremendously. So I really don't plan on being taken off that. So definitely with the check and I'll always be honest with you and tell you what I'm doing and kind of the status of things. Uh, it would be, it would be cool if we can, Definitely, because I really liked where we were last week also with going from that 0 to 10. I feel that's definitely going to be beneficial. So there's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing in conjunction uh, that uh, plan, behavioral psychology, and then you assisting me in this other aspect. They'll probably, uh, they'll definitely intersect and we'll, we'll see carry over and bleed over. And then hopefully at, like, at, after we have all this information, then it will really allow you to find this customized treatment for me. That's kind of, that's what I'm hoping. Sorry. It's okay. Something started playing. Sorry, alarm's going off. Uh, I got sorry, it. I do have to end because I have a client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will call you Tuesday and I'll have a, hopefully a referral by then for you. Okay, but do you agree with what I said? How like I I'd like to emphasize the way we did it last week and kind of just as a motif do this like kind of drug rehabilitation thing. So to work me up to a point where I won't need heroin, but not to make it the central focus because I don't wake up thinking I'm an addict, and I don't think anyone uh, would say. Well, if they knew what I did, maybe they would say it, but I I don't think I am really. So, <laughs> is that denial? I don't know, but. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll definitely continue on with the detailed history mm -hmm. next week. Yeah. I'll, I'll just do a quick five-minute check-in. Uh, yeah, that's fine. On, on this. Definitely. And yeah, we'll pick up in middle school, all right? Awesome. Appreciate that.
All right, okay. guys. You have a All great right. week. Joseph, you too. Enjoy the Super Bowl and everything. Yep. All right. Have a good All one. Right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, what's up? You're on the air. What's your name, age, and where are you calling from? Hey, I'm on the air. You are on the air. I just had to delay then because I'm listening to you right now and I didn't hear that. Yeah, I listen to your phone. I'm 25. Listen to your phone and put me on mute on the uh, on YouTube. Got you. What's up, the man? The issue is, um, well, I have like a young face. I, some people I say, say I look 14. Some people say I look 18. And I started the podcast on my own. And it's kind of like a spinoff of Calling Her Daddy, where we talk about all the things that they say wrong about how relationships should be. They actually give toxic advice. So I just got a lot of really bad rap from making this podcast. People said it sounded like two retarded high 17-year-olds. And it was pretty depressing. It was definitely a hit to our confidence. Even though we got a bunch of views, we got like 75,000 views on our stuff. So that's kind of an analogy for how my dating life's going. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? All right. So you have, so you have, you have a few problems right now. Being in Manhattan, uh, I took 15 girls out on dates. And you're expected to pay, I guess, for them. And you have to do everything right because they're looking for red flags since before they even walk in. They have x-ray vision and they're seeing those red flags through the wall even as they're on the sidewalk going into the restaurant. Women are insanely perceptive in that respect. But there's this absolutely gorgeous uh, Serbian-Hungarian girl that just started working at my accounting firm and we were all at lunch and we were talking about dating and she's coming about saying that when she goes on these dates, um, like, she uh, doesn't feel the guy should pay. And then we said, so it's okay if they ask uh, to split it. And then she says, well, if he says split it, then I block him after that. And that's just so descriptive of how the dating culture has become so toxic. Like, men are expected to do this, that, and the other, and everything in between, but guys are going to have to shoot their shot and spend a pretty good amount of money before they get any result or any satisfaction. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. You don't have to do that. There are cheaper things, like going to the park and doing coffee. That's completely right. So I'm talking more, aside from the money, at the aspect how I feel men are being judged unfairly. That she's saying that she went for, first of all, me being five foot eight and having a uh, rounded curvature to my jawline, and I haven't been to the gym in a while. I don't have that V shape of the lats and kind of, you know, that masculine figure anymore. I don't appeal to girls really just coming out. And I, I have the face of a 15 year old. So this woman, she basically looks like uh, Trump's wife, Melania. She's dropped at gorgeous, but she's saying that she's going on these dates with guys who are inches and inches taller than me or that better jawline, they have better pecs or shoulders, whatever it is. But she's telling me about how she's critical of these guys. She 
I knew I didn't like him from immediately. He said, I want to go to this table, not that table. And he was so rude to the waitress. So, like, so, so, I don't know so, what are you, so what are you going to do here? So you should, so you should just give up. I should give up? Yeah, it's too hard. You should just give up. Uh, I already did give up. I've been working on my uh, television show script. I had to give up the last six months because it was literally too depressing spending that much money and just getting literally nowhere. So I'm just like trying to listen to your podcast and like go to therapy and do some things. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that. That, that helps. But I mean, listen, yeah. you know, we could sit here all day. We can be negative. We can say, okay, it doesn't work and it doesn't work here and this doesn't work and women want this and this is how things are moving and there's the Me Too movement. Da 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 da. Then give up. If it's not for you, then give up. The thing is, is what, what I've seen is that, yeah, there's going to be women out there who are going to make it really difficult. Uh, but also, you've got to realize, just because a woman says that, that doesn't mean that's actually what's happening. Just because a woman is saying that this is exactly what she's attracted to, that's not, first of all, that's not a all women. And there's some there's a difference between what a woman might say and what actually is happening when she's attracted to somebody. So... There's that. Also, with you, yeah, you know, you can't, you can't get, you can't unbabify your face unless you maybe grow some facial hair. You can't grow more than five eight. So all you can do, like I preach, is optimize all your qualities, dress your best, look your best, and then you got to work on your personality and your charisma and your skills. And you got to go out and talk to a lot of women. And some are going to be nasty. And some are going to suck, and some are going to be using you, and some will, will ghost you, and it's going to be shitty. Yeah, that's you can do. A really core question, though, is there something about the social media era where people are now congregated in these big cities, and there's almost unlimited options where you've talked about, speak about abundance, and I don't think guys think about abundance like that. Guys are paranoid, anxious freaks. I think women really understand that abundance. So it seems like when these girls are going on dates, maybe guys maybe wouldn't be so quick to end after a first date or would try a second time. But these women, they really seem to treat guys like throwaway. And it seems like they just go on dates after dates, years and years. And they'll find a guy, but they're going to go through so many guys and guys are going to spend so much time. I think you're focusing on the wrong thing, dude. Dude, stop, stop, stop. You're, fo- you're, you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. All of this negative attention is not going to get you anywhere. It's a, it's a waste of your time. Like, yeah, yes, I get it. You know, like, you have no control over some things or some things you can't do. But we got you can't generalize. And, you know, to sit here and just and just complain about the situation that is being no, generalized. It's not. It's not. Gonna, people like well. It's. People not, it's let's be honest. It sounds like a complaint. It's. It. It, it yeah, absolutely well, sounds like one. But you're the antidote to this virus that we have. What is the 21st century modern day society? Social media generation, the iBabies, where people grow up staring into a camera, and that this obsession with beauty and the aesthetic. It's. It's always been there. It's genetic, but this is on a level. I can only see it getting worse. I just want to know from your point of view, because I don't think you or dating coaches would have been necessary at really any other point in history. In fact, most of history, I'm not going to say it, I won't say it, but most of history, babies were made through uh, rape. So 
so that's that, that's how what we're dealing with on that spectrum. So now we have these products of Genghis Khan's and Alexander the Great's, although he was gay. All right, all right. Have we're, I have 15 minutes left, and we're ranting into a whole in a whole different section. So I have to hang up with you. I'm gonna uh, keep, uh, keep, keep watching. Keep watching. I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to this real quick. Um, we gotta take more calls. Okay. Alright, you're a really good dating coach. I love everything you've been doing. Thanks, man. You're probably the best on the market at this I point. Appreciate so I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. Okay. Wow. Dude. I mean, like seriously, you're 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 only picking out things that are wrong and you're only looking at things negative and you're making generalizations that are just not doing anything for you. Um, no, I don't think it's harder to date now. I think it's all relative. I think it's always hard to meet someone, whether you were in the 1800s, whether it was 1915, or whether it's now with social media. It's all relative. There's always going to be issues, challenges, and hardships with dating and meeting somebody. Um, but be careful, man. You're going down a very dangerous path with all this because you're only looking at things in certain ways and you're getting your information from like one girl who's saying something and clearly what's happening is you're looking at yourself with you, you don't you clearly don't have confidence because you're basically saying all these negative things about yourself that you don't like because if you had confidence you wouldn't even care like you wouldn't care what she says what people you wouldn't care how hard the dating climate is and all that stuff so you gotta stop doing that, move forward, and just keep and just try to remain positive. Um, we got, or not, you know what I mean. The lines are open, by the way. Uh, or not, you can just give up. You don't have to do it, but you have to just get a reality check. Like, yep, it's tough. Yep, really hot women want really attractive guys. Don't you want to try? Like, of course they do. The thing is, is you got to be the whole package. All right, you're on the air. What's your name, age, and where are you calling from? Uh, hey, what's up, Jeff? Uh, my name's Tony, and I'm calling from Texas. And I just wanted to say I've been watching your videos for a long time, and uh, I really like them. Thanks, man. Uh, I, I don't want to waste your time. And I just wanted to say um, I just had this interaction with them. 30, 30 minutes ago or so, and I was with this chick, and, you know, I was sitting there, we are laying in bed or whatever, and uh, she starts talking to me, oh, am I allowed to curse on you? Sure, yes, you can. Okay, cool. So she starts sucking on my dick, and we're chilling, and like, you know, it's about like, you know, 10 minutes in, 5 minutes in, she's talking about her jaw hurting or whatever, I'm like, okay, cool, and uh, she keeps going, and then I'm like, she gets up, she's like, hey, uh, do I have this long? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, well, then I'm not going to finish. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you can go home then. And she's like, okay. And so I, I, I sent her home. Well, she was like, okay, she's kind of pissed. But, like, uh, I sent her home. And I just wanted to know, like, what should I do next? Uh, I'm probably just going to say fuck it and be like, you know, just like not hit her up ever again. Well, dude, but, you know, what, 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 a, what a terrible way to treat someone. Why would you, why would you treat a girl like that? Well, I don't even know. I've been watching AMS for a while. That's uh, that's his vibe, so. Yeah. Bye, bye, too. Well, wow. That's just like, think about that. Just think about that. 
So, what do you guys think? Is everyone crazy or am I the one who's insane? Are my problems so unrelatable that no one can see what I'm going through? Sometimes I feel like I'm the most crazy one in the world, but that I see everything crystal clear and it's you guys who are blind. I'm living my life. I'm doing what I like to do. Do you guys follow your passion? Are you going to take that risk and go out and make something of yourself in this world? Not treating it like it's a disposable reality, but it's the only equalizer. We live in weird times. We're going to need to figure out how we're all going to get along, coexist. I'm trying my best to be a loving, intelligent, and respectful, polite person. But there's also a shitload that I want to do. So I follow my hobbies and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make my dreams come true. I will die trying to be able to save the world when I help cure cancer and when I make fantastic entertainment production with all of my friends. So this has been me, it always has been, and you'll never get anything but it. We love you guys, and keep fighting on, because that's what Kobe would have wanted.